Amen. You may have a seat. Well, so good to be with you. My name is Casey. It's so good to see some familiar faces. Also great to see some new faces. And if you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you're joining us, especially on this day. Like, I didn't, like, Monty chose to go on vacation this weekend. I, I was like trying to think, like, why did he choose this weekend? So he, him and his family are down in Arizona. I didn't realize until yesterday that this was spring ahead weekend. So Monty's, I'm sure, enjoying some sleep. He made me feel the brunt of less sleep, but I am so glad to be back here with each and every one of you. If you don't know me or if you never met me, I'm looking forward to get to know you more, but me and my family moved with Monty and a couple others from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to help start Meadows Church. It's hard to believe this is almost four, four years ago, and now we've been sent, me and my family have been sent to Northwest Omaha to start a church called crossover church. So we're super excited about that, but that's why it's so good. Yes, it's so good to be back because it's like a, like a family reunion. It's like, a, like the holidays, and I'm here just visiting, but I'll leave here soon to go back up there, but I'm so glad to be here. And so a couple of things you know, I've known Monty for quite a while, like 10 years probably, and there's been a couple of moments in time where I, like Monty, like, there's some things I've doubted about him. So in, for example, this past week, we were in Sioux Falls at a church planning conference, and Monty was going to be leaving the airport in Sioux Falls to go to Arizona. He had to leave the conference a little bit earlier. And so I get a text from him about 12 o'clock, 1230, saying, Casey, check your car. I don't have my driver's license. He's in the airport. He's at the TSA in line to get onto the plane. And he doesn't have his driver's license. So I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, there's no way. There's no way he's getting on that plane. But thankfully he did, I didn't know this, maybe you guys knew this, but you can use other identification, they have other methods to get you past that point in time. I didn't know that, so I truly doubted he was going to be in Arizona. But thankfully he is, I don't know if he's going to get back, but I know he's in Arizona, he might be staying there, who knows how long, but he's on the plane, he's in Arizona, I'm thankful he's there, enjoying some time with his family, enjoying vacation. Another thing I doubt is, like I said, I've known Monty for 10 years. I have never seen him with facial hair. So I doubted he could grow facial hair. Then I was, I was blown away and shocked that all of a sudden I see this man, Monty, with, with a full beard. I'm like, what happened? So I don't know if you know this, but sometimes our doubts can be wrong. Sometimes our doubts can be wrong. Go ahead and turn to someone and say, no doubt. No doubt. We're talking about, yeah, no diggity, no doubt, right? We're talking about Doubt. We're starting this new series called Gardens, Graves, and Glory. And today, we're talking about doubt. So when me and my family moved to Omaha, the plan was to help Meadows start and go to Northwest Omaha to start crossover. That was the plan. I spent years on this plan, thinking I had this perfect plan, everything was going to go perfectly. But then something happened. COVID. It's kind of hard to start a new church when most churches aren't even meeting. But then all of a sudden, when that happens, what happens? When our perfect plan doesn't go as planned, what happens? We start doubting, right? Did I make the right decision? Am I supposed to be doing this? Is this the right thing for me to do? God, did I miss this? It's so easy for doubt to creep in when things don't go as planned. I don't know if you've ever been there. Well, no, I, I've been there many times. Have you ever had a perfect plan or maybe a perfect place? Before that, like, I love being a dad. Like, being a parent's great. 
Like, I could stand up here and say, hey, I was watching Zootopia, and you'd probably judge me if you didn't know I had parents, or if I had kids. But, but thankfully, like, I have kids, so I can say, hey, I, I was watching Zootopia with my family. Like, that doesn't make it weird anymore, right? It's just okay for me to do that. Like, hey, I, I was at the movie theater watching Lion King. You'd be like, what? I was with my kids. It's fine, right? It makes it okay. So there's many perks of being a parent and being a father. One of the perks is I get to watch these movies. And Zootopia, like I said, I love this movie. This movie about this bunny, Julie Hopps, who had this dream, this purpose in life to be a police officer in Zootopia, right? But this bunny being a cop, right? From the very beginning of her having this plan and this purpose, people started doubting her. Her parents, other people from Bunny Burrow. When she gets to Zootopia, she's in the academy, all of a sudden, those people are doubting Julia as well. And all, like, all these doubts, all of a sudden, Julia could easily doubt herself as well. And many times that she did. But she ends up getting through the academy. She becomes this, this police officer in, the, in Zootopia. And she's doing these fighting crime. And she had someone there with her as well when she faced doubts as well. She had someone that she could talk to when those doubts crept up again. When she wanted to give up, when she started doubting herself, there was someone there, right? Nick the fox, right? That sly fox was there when Judy needed someone. So here's the crazy thing about Zootopia. She had this perfect plan in this perfect city where you can be anything you ever thought about and dreamed about. But what happens when the plan doesn't go as planned? What happens when you think you are living out your purpose and all of a sudden you face challenges? All of a sudden there's trials. All of a sudden the plan doesn't go as planned. What then? I don't know what your perfect is. Like maybe you have a a perfect place you want to go to. Maybe that's an island, a cruise. Maybe it's the mountains. Maybe it's camping in the wilderness. And Monty wanted me to let you know if that's your perfect plan, you need to get checked out. Right? Like, who wants to do that? That's not perfect. Who wants to go camping in the world? That's not perfect at all. But maybe, not, maybe it's not a perfect place. Maybe not it's a perfect home. Maybe you had the perfect marriage planned. Maybe you had this plan of a perfect marriage. Everything was going to go just as planned. Everything was going to be a honeymoon. Every day was going to be like your honeymoon. But that doesn't happen, does it? If you've been married for more than a day, <laughs> that doesn't happen, Right? Or maybe you wanted to meet the perfect person. And you keep looking and looking and seeking. But you haven't found him yet or her yet. Or maybe it's the perfect career, the perfect job, the perfect boss. You know that person's not out there, right? If you're looking for that, that's never going to happen. But we're seeking perfect. But what happens when we don't find perfect? What happens when perfect doesn't happen? The main point today, the one thing I want us to all know, that when perfect doesn't happen, when doubts start creeping in, like when we're in doubt, we need to talk it out. Like if one thing you get from this message today, if anything at all, when in doubt, we need to talk it out. There's so many times in my life when I started doubting, and guess where that doubt stayed? Right in here. The doubt stayed right in here. And when we hold on to that doubt and we don't talk it out, all of a sudden we start believing our doubts and doubting our beliefs. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Like when we start not talking about the doubts, we start believing those doubts and we start doubting our beliefs. 
It's the weirdest thing. It doesn't just happen to me. It doesn't happen to you. It actually happened in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Genesis 3. We're not going to be there right now, but we're going to spend some time in Genesis because that's where it all started. That's where it all began, right? God created this perfect world. He created this perfect world, and he made the perfect man. I know all you ladies say, there's no way there's a perfect man. There was one perfect man. That was Adam at the very beginning. Since then, it's been a downfall. I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm sorry. It, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't going to happen. But so God had a perfect plan. Started in a garden, and everything was perfect. Perfect world, perfect man. And it says this in, in chapter 2 in Genesis. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15 says this, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Here's the first time we see and hear God speaking to man, to humans. And he says this, verse 16, But the Lord God warned them, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. All these other trees, all this other fruit, you can eat it. It's fine. There's one, though. There's except one tree. Don't eat its fruit. So was, was God saying this to harm Adam or to help Adam? Correct. He's saying this to help him. Right? And we'll get to that here in a second as well. So after creating the perfect world, the perfect man, the perfect garden, God creates the perfect woman. And her name was Amanda. Wait. I told Amanda not to mess with my notes. Her name was Eve. Like, the perfect one was Eve, not Amanda. So up to this point, everything was perfect. In the first chapter, everything is perfect. And even chapter 2 ends perfectly. Look what it says. It says this. Everything was perfect. Now the man and his wife were both naked. And all God's people said? Oh, that was a little weak. That's okay. But, but seriously, like, everything was perfect up in this point in time. Everything. Perfect place, perfect garden, man and woman together. Everything was perfect. And then chapter 3 happens. The serpent enters. So if you have your Bibles, join me in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord, had, the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So here... The deceiver is trying to deceive. He's asking questions, right? What, what was the question? Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? God didn't say that. He didn't say anything near that. Verse 2. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. And we are convinced, once again, once we start believing our doubts and not believing our beliefs. Also, we are convinced of the lies. We're convinced of the things that aren't true. 
And so often this happens to me, it happens to you. So the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom. This happens as well, is when the lies start being geared to what we want. Right? When we want something, all of a sudden we will twist the truth because it's something that we wanted in the very beginning anyways. But once again, once we start believing the doubts and it starts pointing to what we want, it's a lot easier to do the things that God doesn't want us to do because that's what we wanted in the very beginning. So she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, they probably felt a little bit better now they were fully clothed, right? That, that cool breeze wasn't as cold, probably. But So when the cool breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. So prior to this moment, they weren't afraid of God. They wanted to be around God. Like they wanted to be in his presence. But now all of a sudden, one decision was made, and now they're hiding from God. The one that created them, they're hiding from him. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And you got to know, like, God knew where they were. Like, all these questions God's asking, he already knew the answers to them. Like, he, he know, he's God. He knows everything. So he asked the question, though, where are you? He replied, I, he- I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. That's Adam speaking. I was afraid because I was naked. Then God responded, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Once again, God, once again, God knows the answer. He knows the answer, what happened. He knows what's going on. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Not only does he blame Eve, but he even blames God. You made this woman. What were you thinking? Why would you do this? You made this woman, and now this woman gave me this this fruit to eat. So cast double blame. No responsibility taken. No accountability. (laughs) Typical guy thing to do, right? Maybe. Sorry. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. Right? The serpent deceived me. He convinced me. He, he, he convinced me. He deceived me. That's why I ate it. That's why I ate it. Because once again, they started believing the doubt instead of believing the beliefs. So we need to stop Doubting our beliefs. Stop doubting our beliefs and believing our doubts. Start believing your beliefs and doubting your doubts. Right? It's, it's interesting how we get it backwards. I get it backwards, you get it backwards. In this moment in time, the serpent convinced them that they were not like God, and that's not true. They were created in God's image. But the serpent tricked them, deceived them, got them to start doubting what God said and the promises of God. They believed the lies and did what was right in their sight. Like they truly believed that the lies that the serpent was talking about and telling them was truth. And that's what he's all about. He's here to destroy it, destroy our beliefs, convince us that God isn't for us, he's against us, 
trying to convince us that his truths aren't true truths, that his promises aren't real, his faithfulness isn't good. That's what the serpent does. Tries to trick us. Tries to get the thoughts going in our mind. And the worst thing we can do is hold on to those thoughts. Hold on to those doubts. Worst thing we can do. So once again, when in doubt, we need to talk it out. Think about this situation. Think about this moment in time. Not only was Eve by herself, but Adam was right there. Adam was right there. How easy would it have been for her to simply say, Adam, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Should I do it? Should I not do it? But not only that, here they are in the garden. It's those two, and who else is with them? God. Walking, right? And God's in their presence. How easy would it have been, these doubts we're having, that they're having, to talk it out. God, this is what the serpent said. I don't know, I'm starting to believe it. Like, I'm starting to doubt what you told me, but like, this sounds so good. This sounds like, the, the doubts are like, is it true? I don't know. How easy would it have been for them to simply said, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm believing this. I don't know why I'm doubting you, but I am. It would have been so easy to do. But the same is true for you and for me. Like, it'd, been, it'd be so easy to voice our doubts, to share our doubts. But it's so hard because we think people are going to judge us. We think people are going to maybe make fun of us. We think God's going to be mad at us. How crazy is that? A God that loves us, a God that made us, you think he'd be mad at you for doubting? He gave us faith. He gave us love. And he gave us a choice to accept those things. So our doubts shouldn't make us afraid to talk to him. Like, he is not mad at you for doubting. He's not angry with you when you, when you question things. It's in those moments of question where your faith has an opportunity to grow. In those moments of crisis, you realize what you need to cling on to. It's in those moments where you're starting to believe the lies. All of a sudden, those are the moments where you can really grab a hold of who God is and what, what your true beliefs should be. Because I don't know about you, but most of the time I realize my faith has been built on sinking sand, not a firm foundation. And that's when I can realize that I need to start building my faith on something stronger. Not in, in a guy that will give me something, but just faith in God. Because when you start trusting God for something, that's all of a sudden when you don't get that something, all of a sudden your faith is no longer in God, but it's what he's going to give you. So don't just trust in what God can do for you. Trust in God. Put your trust in him. Don't put the trust in something that he may have provided to you, like your, your spouse or your job or your career. Those things can go away. But God is here forever. His, his love is forever. His faithfulness is, endures whatever. So don't put your trust in something. Put your trust in God. And in this moment, Adam and Eve put their trust in something that they could get. They put their trust in a lie instead of the one who made them, instead of the one who created them. And I don't know about you, but there have been many of these moments in my life. So when I was up in Sioux Falls, I, I, you know, I, I haven't always been a pastor. I haven't always been in ministry. I have a degree in business finance. Um, after I graduated from the University of South Dakota, uh, I was completely living the, the wrong way, um, doing what I wanted to do. I, haven't, I was a Christmas Easter churchgoer, a CEO, if you want to call it that. Um, barely would go to church. Um, I moved up to Sioux Falls, started working at Wells Fargo. I was there for about four years. And during that time, 
I walk into this church and it completely changes my life. So I, give him, I gave my life to Christ, got baptized, started serving, joined a life group. And there was a moment in time when they did something that completely caught me off guard. Like, you ever had one of those moments, like, like didn't see it coming moments? Like, they called me into a meeting. There's about five people. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Did I do something? Like, did I see something wrong? Or like, what's going on here? Like, you start doubting that even, right? Like, don't know what's going on, but you're called into a meeting with a bunch of pastors. It's like, okay, here we go. But then they, they, they said the craziest thing. Casey, I've been watching you. We know you, you've been serving in kids' ministry. We want you to join the team full-time. We want to pay you to do what you're doing as a volunteer. I didn't know what to say. Like, can you say that again? Like, repeat that for me, please, because I didn't believe it. Like, all of a sudden, in that very moment, the doubts start coming, right? The, the who am I? Me? You start, you start questioning your identity. You start questioning who you are in Christ. Like, those moments are so prevalent in my life. And so it took about a six-month span of time where I'm thankful that those doubts, I was able to talk them out. I'm thankful I spent time with God. Like, God, is this truly what you want me to do? A complete 180, right? Wells Fargo, finance, world, to children's ministry? Complete 180. Just like, God, is this what you want me to do? Like, is this your plan for me? But then also I had some amazing people in my life that I could go talk to. Like, I don't know, like, can I do this? Should I do this? Like, what if I screw this up? Like, that's like, if I screw, like, how important do I think I am that I could screw up a whole ministry? Like, I'm not that important. I'm not that valuable. Like, but we start thinking those thoughts and we start doubting ourselves. And when we start doubting ourselves and we start believing the lies, all of a sudden we're not going to live out the purpose God has for us. Because if I were to believe those lies, if I were to believe those doubts, I would never have said yes to that. If I wouldn't have said yes to that, I probably wouldn't be here today. So each decision we make is a moment that we can let doubt control us or we can live in faith and take a step. And it's all about what we truly believe. Like, are we gonna truly believe in who God says we are? Ephesians 2 says, are we are God's masterpiece? So all of a sudden, I, when I started questioning, am I good enough? But questioning my identity, because all of a sudden, I remember that verse. I'm God's masterpiece. I was created new in Christ Jesus for the works he planned for me. I'm going to walk in that. It says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So why would, I, why would I doubt that? Why would I believe the lies against that? But once again, like, do, I, do I believe what he says about me? Like, will I believe the beliefs? Do I need to change my beliefs? Or am I going to continue to believe the doubts? Well, I continue to doubt the doubts and talk it out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny thing that when in doubt, when you talk it out, there's a, there's a story, I love it. It's a, it's a great story because it's after Jesus went to the cross, after Jesus was in the tomb, after Jesus was resurrected, he appears to the disciples that Sunday evening. He appears to his disciples. He says to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He shows them his hands, right? The, the holes in his hands, the, the wound on his side. He appears to disciples. There's one disciple that's not there, Thomas. And poor Thomas, right? Nicknamed Doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas, right? He doubts one time. All of a sudden, he gets this nickname called Doubting Thomas. I'd hate to hear what my nickname's gonna be or would be. Like, but here he is, Doubting Thomas. He doubts one time. I think we need to change his name. His name needs to be Believing Thomas. 
Because that doubt should not identify or should not be his identity. Because what happens in eight days. So prior to this, so the disciples, they tell Thomas what happens. Like, hey, Jesus appeared to us. He showed us his hands. He showed us the side. Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. They tell Thomas this. What does Thomas say? I don't believe that. I will believe that as soon as I can put my fingers in his hands, in the holes in his hands, in my hand, in the, the wound of his side. Thomas says, I will believe that. I will believe in him when that happens. So he, he vocalizes this. He speaks this out. And something amazing happens. Eight days later, Jesus appears again. And guess who's there this time? This doubting Thomas. He's with him there. He sees him. And this doubting Thomas all of a sudden sees Jesus. And Jesus does the exact same thing. He says this. He says, peace be with you. He says, peace be with you. And he looks at Thomas and says, hey, Thomas, look. Come put your fingers in here. Put your, put your hand in my wound. Put your hand in my wound. You see me now. I'm here with you. And he says this. Don't be faithless any longer. Don't be faithless any longer. Don't doubt anymore. Believe. He says this. And Thomas doesn't even need to go do those things he said he needed to do. He says this. He says, my Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. Jesus' presence was enough for him. Thomas met Jesus in this moment, and he believed. He met Jesus, and he believed. His doubt changed to belief. Jesus' presence was enough. I think a lot of times, we just need to be aware that he is there. We just need to be aware that he's with us. In the pain, in the challenges, in the trials, um, I don't know, but it, maybe you guys can relate, but this past year's been pretty tough. A lot of, a lot of challenges, a lot of things going on. Um, if I can get real with you, I can get vulnerable with you. Not only was crossover, that, that was kind of a, a, a challenging moment for me, but my family's been through quite a bit. About a month and a half ago, Amanda, my wife, she's had low energy. She's just tired and exhausted. She ends up going into the hospital and... They do some tests, some blood work, all this and that. And all of a sudden they come back and say, hey, your hemoglobin level's low. Like super low. Like, like very low. They don't know what's causing it. They don't know what's going on. So they do some more blood work. Then all of a you get the call like, hey, we think you need to go see the oncology specialist. So we do that. The doubts, right? You start thinking like the worst thing. <laughs> Maybe you can relate, but my wife isn't the best. She likes to use Dr. Google at times. Nothing, nothing good comes from that. But here we are. They do some more tests. Some more tests. They still don't know what's going on. Blood level's still low. Ends up having to do a bone marrow biopsy. But this whole time, it's like these doubts. God, what's going on? Where are you? Why don't we have answers? Why can't we find out what's going on? What's causing this low level? The number one thing that God's taught me through this, taught my family through this, we don't need answers. We've just been made aware of his presence. Like, we don't need the answer. We just need to be aware that he's with us through this, through the trials, through the pain, through the unknown. Like, whatever it is, like, he is with us. And a lot of times we forget that he's right there. 
we forget that he is right there going through it with you. God was right there with Adam and Eve, but they just forgot. They were unaware of his presence. And too often we forget that it's not the answers that we need, it's being aware that God is there. He is there. He is there. And if we are in doubt, just talk it out because not only will he be there to listen for you, to your questions, the amazing thing is he's probably not going to answer them. But he'll give you his presence. He will give you his presence. And that is more than enough. That is more than enough. Is in our doubt, he will give you his presence. And that's more than enough. I think of Job. Job who lost everything in his moment of questioning God. God doesn't answer his questions. What does he say instead? He said, Job, where were you when I created everything? Job, where were you when I created you? Here God is. He's giving Job his presence. And what does Job do? That's right. That's right. You're God. You're God. And everything I've been given has been given by you. And it's not mine to keep anyways. But you give me your presence, and that is more than enough. It's always more than enough. We need to be aware that he is there. He is with you. He is for you. And in your doubt, he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He wants to hear it. Ask him the questions. Ask him the questions. Tell him what you need. And in those moments of, what, of your need, he'll give you something better than what you actually need, of what you think you need. He'll give you his peace. He'll give you his peace. And that's what it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, right? Don't worry about anything, but in all things and everything. Pray. Tell him what you need. Give him that. Give it to him. Stop worrying about it. God's got you. And he will give you a peace that goes beyond our understanding, all understanding, if we would just talk it out, if we would just give him our doubts. And for some of you here, you've been fighting this doubt, thinking you had to have it all figured out, thinking that you had to know everything about who God is and who God is in your life. But he's just saying one thing, trust in me. Trust in me. I got you. I made you. I sent my son Jesus for you. Believe in that. You are more than enough. I would send my son again for you. There's nothing you could do, nothing you will do that would make me not do that again for you. His love is enough for you. What Jesus did on the cross was enough for each and every one of you. So in your doubt, if right now you're doubting, who is God? Is God even real? Talk it out. Give it to God. I guarantee you, you feel his presence. Because that's what he's really good at giving. His presence. Let me pray for you. Father God, I don't have it all figured out. It's amazing how much I doubt. I guarantee you there's people here that can relate. That the goal is not to have no doubt. The goal is never to have 
no doubt. But when those moments of doubt came, we realized how much we need you and how we need to stop believing our doubts and start believing our beliefs in who you are and what you say about us. If we truly believe that we are your masters, all of a sudden the lies go away. All of a sudden we realize that, that you are so, so good, that you're for us, that you're with us. But it's so easy to believe the lies. But I truly believe if we would start talking about the doubts in our lives, start talking about what we think we need, and start talking to you and to those around us, we'll realize that those doubts are lies, that the enemy is trying to deceive us, trying to convince us of something else, trying to prevent us to live how you've called us to live. So God, help us. Like, like you said, don't be faithless any longer, but believe. We ask for your presence. Make us aware of your faithfulness. Make us aware of how good you truly are. And Father God, I just want this moment right now, I guarantee you someone walked through those doors with doubts. Doubts in their identity. Doubts on if they're good enough. Doubt about is this life even worth living? If that's you, take this moment right now. Talk to God. Whatever that doubt is, give it to him. He's not mad at you for doubting. He's not mad at you for questioning. If you have questions, give it to him. Ask him the questions. He wants to hear from you. He wanted to hear from Adam and Eve. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to be made aware of his presence. He wants you to be made aware that he's for you, not against you. He wants you to know that he is more than enough. He wants you to know that you will face things. But to put your trust in him. To put your trust in him and not in something or someone else. But you can put your trust in him. Because he is faithful. He is good. He is for you. He's not against you. And for those that are here today that you've doubted, you've never taken that step of faith. You never put your trust in him. You never believed what Jesus did for you. Today is your day. Jesus went to the cross for you. He took our sins. He took our death. He took our pain. He went to the cross for each and every one of us. And he rose again. And he is alive. And he is resurrected. We have a risen Savior. Put your trust in that. Tell him, I believe. I'm going to be faithless no longer. I believe. I believe. I believe. So Jesus, your presence is enough. It always is and always will be. And we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability 
to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.